For the words we've all been waiting for, please welcome Newell Rubbermaid, Chief Executive Officer Mike Polk, and 250 Irwin guests as they deliver the most famous words in motorsports. On behalf of Irwin Tools and the American tradesmen, the hands that built America and keep it running stronger, gentlemen, start your engines! All right, the engines are fired. Another episode of the SP Podcast ready to go. Tyler Head and Dalton Mullinax with you as always. And I've been a NASCAR fan for a long time. I think what we saw at Bristol Motor Speedway over the weekend might be the best full weekend of motorsports that I can ever remember. Maybe I'm not thinking of something from a while back, but dang, Bristol delivered Thursday night, Friday night, and especially on Saturday night. Yeah, there was there was so much action in all three series, mm-hmm. um, you know. And obviously, we'll get into we'll deep dive into the, the the all the races in a minute. But I mean, just overall, the amount of action—it's just like you know, I was there Friday and Saturday night, and it, you know, one thing like when you're at the race, you know, you're just excited to be there, so you think it's a great. But like, you could just like watching it, you could just tell this is really good i went back and watched some of it on tv yeah it was good as i hoped it was and it, it's just it was such a good weekend of racing and i don't know if it was because earlier this year we had the dirt at bristol so there was just people like me that was looking forward to getting back to the concrete um but it man it was it was so good it was such a good weekend and i know you've been to many bristol night races so you've seen tons of different types of races and tons of different scenarios that being the regular season or being the playoffs. And I just got a sense in the days leading up to it that there was just a different energy about this one. And maybe it's because last year you didn't have the full crowd and all that factors into it. Maybe it's because you had all the drama at the cut line and everything going on with the playoffs. But being there, did this, this did it feel different compared to other Bristol night races? It felt, it's funny you say that it felt like, it felt like a playoff race. Like it felt like a game seven, you know, it was, um, you know, the crowd was into it from the beginning. I mean, it was cause there were some showers around the track from like five to six 30. And I, I thought that would slow some people down getting in, but like we got to our seats about six forty-five, mm-hmm. and like the amount of people already in there. I, I mean, the, the pre-race stuff was exciting. It was, it just had that, Saturday night short track racing cutoff race like everything you want in like you know it, it felt very storybook like yeah and you know 500 miles or five not 500 miles got 500 miles of Bristol would take a long forever. time <laughs> 500 lap race and you know I'd say the first half of the race wasn't as not to say not action-packed there wasn't as many wrecks and there wasn't as much happening necessarily but it was still pretty compelling um but even even during the periods of the race where it was the longer green flag runs and stuff um it just felt there was so much going on that i felt like the time for the race just went by so fast there was never any lulls in the action it was one thing after another you had so many great 
battles for the lead. The leader can never really get away, and you'd have a guy, you know, uh, a Larson or Hamlin go up there and lead 20 laps. Well, here comes second place, running them down and passing them. Then here comes third place, and you constantly had three and four drivers up front kind of under a blanket battling for the lead all night long, and Bristol's one of the few tracks outside of, you know, the super speedways, Daytona and Talladega, where that can happen, and it happened pretty much the entire race Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say stage one was pretty calm. You know, I think everybody kind of. I mean, look, the there were drivers going into the race that needed to have good, maybe even great races. Um, there were some drivers that were just trying to keep things clean and move on, um, and I think that played a lot lar- large part of that in the first stage. Um, guys just trying to feel out their cars, kind of figure out where they're going with stuff. I feel like with stage two got going though. I, it was though I was holding back. It, there yeah. was, there was no, you know, give, it was all take. And um, I think that just produced great racing. I think the comfort got back there for the drivers. Um, they just, they went, they, it just, it was great. I mean, I, it's just, I sit here and I, I try to think of ways to describe it, but all I could say was how good it was. Like I've been, I think that was my sixth consecutive night race. Yep. The best bar. By far, absolutely not enough comes close. The um, the the story of the night coming away from it though is obviously what happened at the very end between Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick, and I've seen so many people split over this. And when, of course, you have the most popular driver, you have people on his side, you can have people on the other side, and and quite frankly, I, I can't really take a side on this thing. I just kind of chalk it up to you know an important race in the playoffs. <laughs> Um, looking to, and not that either one of those guys was in danger of being eliminated, but they obviously want the win to help advance them through and the playoff points and all that. Harvey looking for his first win, and I just think it was both guys being aggressive, trying to go for the win in the last hundred laps of the race, really the last fifty laps of the race at that point. Um, and they just got into each other, and I don't really put the blame on either one. Um, you know, should Chase have held him up at the end of the race? Maybe yes, maybe no. He was helping his teammate out, so you know, there's that defense there but I just think it all goes back to this is just classic short track racing this is the kind of stuff we want and that's the kind of stuff we get to see on Saturday night yeah no I totally agree with you I mean you know I I was happy to not see Kevin Harvick win Mm -hmm. obviously um but he had the better car with like 50 to go he got to chase his bumper and maybe it was even before that but the last 100 laps just felt like a blur like it was just it was just good yeah um but, you know, he, he – I was – because at Bristol, you can't hear anything anyway. So, you yeah. just – your form of communication is just like text. So I was there with my parents, and I text my dad, and I was like, Harvard's going to pass him. I said, he's just got a better car. And he could just never clear chase. And then I guess he just got fed up with like 30-something laps to go and just sent it in there, yeah. and it cut Chase's tire down. And, and, again, I don't have a problem with that because okay. – it's just one of those, you know, he bumped him once, bumped him twice. The third time, I'm going to send you. Mm-hmm. But I also don't have a problem with what Chase did. Chase felt like he got the race win taken away from him. Sure. He's going to return the Uber. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I didn't have a problem with it. There was nothing dirty that Chase did. No. Um, and and he, he jokingly said he ran his line. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically. Yeah. Um, I'll say, though, had, his, had Larson not been in second, you know, I, I don't think he would have – I don't think he would have held him up because Denny Hamlin was in second at the time. I mean, you don't want Denny winning, 
you know, you, you'd rather Harvick get those five bonus points than Denny. If that's, right. that's any kind of consolation. And this isn't a uh, Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano scenario where it's blatant that he took him out, took him out of the race and drastically altered his playoffs going forward. This is a situation where Chase Elliott, who had pitted and had a fast and capable car of running up there with those guys, again, was running his line. Was he holding up Harvick? Yes, but it wasn't so egregious that I feel like it should have been penalized or Harvick should have dumped him or anything like that. Um, and on, and it was kind of one of those things, too. It was almost a little blink and you miss it because, you know, he's, he's running his line, he's holding him up, and then kind of runs him up the track, nearly makes contact with him. But it happened so fast. If you weren't paying attention, you didn't even – I don't think you even saw it. Yeah. I will say when he came back on the track mm-hmm. and he blended in right in front of Harvick, that next time around, we were sitting in turn two, so on the back stretch. You could see he slowed down, and I, I text my dad and like, "This is about to get good," because you could tell what was happening. Look, he's frustrated. Yeah. He has a right frustrated. He had a win taken away from him. And look, these next couple of rounds, he may be five points or less short of of advancing on to, you know, race for a championship. So, at the end of the day, I don't have a problem with it. I have more of a problem with Harvick getting out of car, getting out of the car, and just spewing a bunch of crap. Yeah. So back. I, I, I want because my. I guess my thing is just – my thing is, like, I understand he was frustrated, but, like, sometimes it's just best to just shut up and move on. I will say one last thing. I was – shout out to Jordan Bianchi. Um, but I was glad to see them hopefully go hash it out in, his, in Chase's trailer and yeah. just move on. Move yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you this because you were there. So when the race ended, you know, they get Kyle Larson crossing the start-finish line – and we'll get to his win at some point in this episode, I promise. Um, he crosses the start-finish line, you know, they're showing the results and stuff, and then they just cut to showing Elliott and Harvick parked on the backstretch pit road. So I don't know if you saw exactly what happened, but what transpired from the finish line to the backstretch? Did, did you know, Elliott run into him? How did they end up together on that pit road on the backstretch? No, I mean, basically, so basically what happened was instead of once they crossed the finish line, instead of like going around one more time and coming in, Chase just hooked a hard left. Harvick was still up on the track, and I guess somebody told him or he saw him. Harvick just hooked it left. Okay. And, and he ran into him at the entrance of the backstretch pit road. I see. And then they checked, they checked their, I guess they checked their lug nuts or whatever. I then they you, guys about to fight. you guys are about to fight. Let me check your lug nuts really quick. Yeah, for real. And then, then they drove all the way down pit road and got out. And what, like you said, we'll get to the Kyle Larson win in a second. But like Larson's doing burnouts on the front stretch, mm-hmm. and like nobody's watching. Everybody's watching the big screen, and it's like Harvick versus Chase. Is someone gonna throw a punch? And like, I don't know. It was just, it was, um, it was, it was just everything you want in a in a in a cutoff round Saturday night short track racing. It could not have been any better. I really don't think so. Well, and I kind of go back to, and again, I'm not taking sides on this, but I go back to what happened in 2017 where Denny Hamlin dumped Chase Elliott when he was well on his way to maybe his first win at Martinsville in the playoff race, a race that would have gotten him into the final four in only his second season. Um, And, you know, Chase Elliott was rightfully upset. He has his moment with Denny Hamlin. And I feel like his career really changed course 
from then on, which of course ended up resulting in him winning the championship last year. You know, now he's an established winner. He's an established champion. And standing your ground against a veteran like Kevin Harvick, who's been around even longer than Denny Hamlin, has accomplished just as much, if not more, when you count the cup championship that he had in 2014. You know, I'm curious to see where something like this, what something like this can do for Chase Elliott going forward from here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, he put his big boy pants on in Martinsville in 2017. Yeah. He was always Mr. Nice Guy Chase. Everybody loved Chase. He went from a boy to a man in that race, and he ain't right. looked back. And I think one of the things, too, like, I mean, he got out after his – after he talked with Harvick, whatever, obviously he was interviewed by NBC Sports. And, um, you know, look, he got out of the car and he said, I don't care how long you've been in the school sport. I don't care how many wins you have. Sometimes you got to stand up for yourself. And I agree with him. You do. And, and that is – for the people that can complain about drivers being too vanilla and we don't have enough personalities in the sport. And, and look, Chase is a very, like – low-key kind of guy but in situations like this that's exactly what you want to hear from your most popular driver that's yeah. what gets people watching that's what puts butts in seats and i guarantee you everybody's going to be locked in to see what happens with these two next week at talladega the roval and everything else going forward yeah yeah i mean it, it's a it's just another storyline to the playoffs right and you know harvick goes from the potential highest of highs from winning his first race of the season to, and he did advance. So it's not like he's out of the playoffs or anything like that, but now that he's in the round of 12, he's dead last again, seated uh, uh, the last going into this round. And that puts him, he's 12 points below the cut line starting this round. So that, those five points would have been huge for him. And, and you really saw that desperation, how aggressively he was racing, making contact with Chase Elliott nearly turning Kyle Larson when he took the lead for the last time with a couple laps to go. Like we've not seen Harvick look so desperate and it makes me wonder, okay, well, how is he going to race next week and the week after that? Is he going to be even more desperate now? Um, you would think he would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could tell the frustration when he got out of his car and slammed his helmet on the roof, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and that's what the playoffs do to you. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, look at what happened last year to him, you know, um, imagine if he had come up the same situation. I bet he wished he had those extra five points. Yeah. I mean, never know. Now, we'll, get, we'll, we'll put this one out there. Seven races to go in the season. Um, the next round is very interesting because you have a mile and a half in Las Vegas and you have the super speedway in the road course uh, at the ending at the Roval. Do we see any retaliation in this round or does it wait until we go to a place like Martinsville, maybe even Phoenix for the final race? Like, because I feel like Harvick's in the position where he feels like he needs to now pay Chase Elliott back. Does he do it right away, or does he wait a little bit later in the year to potentially cost him more? I I think I think again I don't I don't know what was said in the holler when they went and talked, but they weren't. It wasn't like they were in there for thirty seconds. They they talked for a little. Bit. Sure. They think I think it's done. I haven't heard or read anything today that says otherwise. I think it's done. Sure, they're probably gonna not. They're probably gonna race each other hard, that, harder than they would anybody else. Sure. I don't think there's gonna be like, you know, he sends him into, you know, turn one at the Roval or something like that. I don't see anything like that happen because I don't think Harvick is a dirty driver. I don't think Chase is a dirty driver. Right. Well, Harvick, Harvick can be aggressive when he needs to be. Again, showed his aggression on Saturday night. And I feel like, and again, I don't, I don't know if Harvick is going to retaliate, but if he was going to, 
he's kind of in a position in like a go for broke position at this point. Doesn't have any wins. He's seated dead last. Yeah, he wants to win the championship. It was like a little bit of a long shot right now. And again, Phoenix is one of his best tracks. So if he gets there, he certainly has an opportunity. But at this point, isn't he kind of in a in a go or go home type of mindset? Go for broke. And, you know, if it ends up screwing me over, then so be it. So I, I feel like Elliot has a lot more to lose in this situation than Harvick does. I agree. But I'll say this, too. Again, you, you never know, you know, who would ever thought Jimmy Johnson would win on the winless streak he did end his career? Nobody. Sure. So you're like, oh, when you know, be back in victory lane or having a shot at a championship. But I mean, if things go right, Chase Elliott should have another shot at a championship for the next fifteen to twenty years. Sure. I mean, hard. Maybe maybe three or four years left in the tank. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I just I hope it's done. I hope that that's it. I hope that it ends at Bristol, and we move on. We'll see. That's what, you know, as imperfect as the playoff system may be, these are situations it creates. And I can't sit here and lie to you and say that I'm not entertained by it. No, I was – no, definitely. Um, All right, now let's get to Kyle Larson actually winning the race. The the guy that actually took home the checkered flag. Took home the checkered flag. His sixth of the season – we're talking about this four-star recording. Lost in the shuffle of everything that happened Saturday night. He's now matched his career win total from the six seasons he was at Chip Ganassi Racing. Now has six wins at Hitchcock Motorsports, the most of the entire season, going into the uh, second round of the playoffs with a huge points advantage based on all his playoff points. Like, this is – Kyle Larson is living his best life right now, and, and I hold the Bristol Night Race to be the fourth crown jewel. He's got two crown jewel wins this season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he's – He's well, look where we're going this upcoming weekend. Mm-hmm. Where did he get his first motorsports at earlier this year? Yep. So, I mean, it's just one of the that team's back on a roll. Um, I will say I picked him. Um, but yes. and that's the reason why I, I said they needed to kind of throw the punch back, sure. You know, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin come out swinging in the playoffs. You got to punch back, but let everybody know, like, hey, we're still the five team. We're the best team out here, and everybody else should know it. So, um, it's about time that he won. That's That was what was so funny was, you know, he's celebrating, trying to get the crowd pumped up, but everybody's too busy looking at the big screen, the big Colossus TV. Yeah. Um, it was just overshadowed, but, I mean, he drove a phenomenal race. I love watching him run there because, you know, his, his way his, the way he drives a car is just crazy stupid anyways. I mean, it's just – it's unreal the talent that he has. And I would argue, I know a lot of people might say Homestead, I think Friday, Saturday night, Bristol might have been the best track for him that he hadn't won at yet. He comes so close so many times. That 2018 spring race still stings me when Kyle Busch got him there at the very end. Um, But you knew a Bristol win was coming for him. And Saturday night, I mean, he didn't have the dominant dominant car. There were so many guys leading laps. But when it counted there at the end, he was able to, with a little help from Chase Elliott, obviously, able to run down – Kevin Harvick, and again, he was at a 45-degree angle going down the straightaway after Harvick got in the back of him. Yeah. More than half the field would have crashed their cars at that point. Car control, keeps his foot in it, keeps the lead, and goes on to win. So if if winning the race wasn't impressive enough, the fact that he was able to save his car at that critical moment, I mean, that's just a testament to how great of a driver Kyle Larson is. Yeah. 
It really is. I, I mean, and, and that's the thing is this has been obviously a, an amazing season for him, you know, his first season at HMS. And, you know, he's been the class of the field for much of the year now. And it's just, you know, I could see him winning every race in this round. I, I could see him winning every race we go to for the rest of the year. That's just that's the type of driver and type of team they are right now, and they, they proved that Saturday night. Well, he goes into the second round with a 46-point advantage over the cut line, and look, uh, barring a mechanical issue or something like that, he's going to run good at Las Vegas. You know, at worst, top five, top ten, going to get some points there. Um, and he realistically could be going into Talladega, maybe even the Roval too, with like a 50-point advantage over the cut line. And I can't think of two races I would rather have almost a full race gap on the cut line than those two. Um, and again, we've seen crazy things happen, but he's got to feel pretty comfortable about his chances to make it to the round of eight right now. Well, I think it's very – I was thinking about this earlier today. I think it's very possible that he could clinch – another a spot in the round of eight before we ever got to Talladega. Well, winning at Las Vegas would certainly do that. Well, yeah. I, I'm talking about just on, based on yeah, points. Based on points, sure. Work. Yeah. No, it just – I mean – and I like what you said there, making a statement in the first round because, again, all I've talked about the past two weeks, Joe Gibbs racing, Martin Trex Jr., Denny Hamlin getting the wins, how great they are at the 750 tracks. You know, is Hendrick kind of starting to slide back a little bit? And Kyle Larson changed that narrative real quick on Saturday night. Yeah. So, and speaking of Hendrick Motorsports, it was a great night overall because I, I didn't think it was going to be possible for all four of their drivers to make it round of 12, given the scenarios that we had going in to Saturday night were because uh, Bowman was tied on the cut line, but Byron was like, I think he was 12 or 13 out. He had a good little gap down. I was like, I feel like this is a must win race for Byron. I, I don't like his chances in a must-win. He didn't win, obviously, but he went out there and finished third. He got it the right amount of stage points. And by the skin of his teeth, he was able to edge out Eric Amarola. Alex Bowman put in a good performance as well. Kept his nose clean for the most part all night. Um, and, yeah, to the surprise of a lot of people, including myself, all four Hendrick cars made it through. Yeah, I kept texting you. I know I probably bugged you with that, but I was like, dude, send me the cutoff line because when – I kept seeing Almirola just free-falling. Yep. What did they, they happen to him, that final run? So he had an oil line break. And fortunately for him, the caution came out. And apparently they were placed in, like, lightning time. Like, Steve Latart was blown away by how quickly they were able to change that oil line. And, again, it being under caution helped. Um, he was able to, with the cautions there at the end, he was able to get himself, I believe, I believe he was back on the lead lap by the end of the race. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was. Um, he was able to get himself back on the lead lab. No, he's still marred back in traffic. But literally those last 20, 30 laps, he was just in this constant battle with Ryan Priest, Bubba Wallace. Just like if he passes one of these guys, he's in. Because, of course, William Byron was, running up, was uh, running up in third. And he only had two cars ahead of him that he could have passed. And those were two of the best cars the entire night. So he was basically – he was where he was going to be. It was really at that point uptown Marola to – go up there and pass one or two more cars and he just couldn't get it done came up a little bit short that being said that's still very impressed for Almirola who really shouldn't have been in the playoffs to begin with if he doesn't win that race at New Hampshire and the fact that he was that close to making the round of 12 you know you can talk about not believing in moral victories if you want to but that's gotta be encouraging for the 10 team given how bad their season's been 
Yeah, definitely. So he uh, does not make the cut line. Michael McDowell was already out. He actually had the single worst opening round playoff performance of anybody in the history of the elimination playoff. So, you know, he was, he was done for at Darlington. We already knew that. Um, mm-hmm. One that really surprised me, though, was Kurt Busch. Um, he came in – he came in plus with an advantage over the cut line. And that, to me, said, okay, goes up there and runs top ten, gets a few stage points, it's going to be fine. They did not have speed at all Saturday night, which is surprising given that Bristol is one of his best racetracks. They completely missed it. And now he's out of the playoffs in the first round. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very shocking to see him – because I don't know – I can't remember if he got lapped on track um, or if he – I know he was close a couple times because it's whenever Logano had to go to the back. Yeah. I thought he and thought he and Kurt were going to both get lapped at the same time, but it never happened. But, yeah, they, they missed it big time. Yeah, Kurt actually ended up finishing the last car in the lead lap, but still – and I don't, I don't even think he got any stage points. Let me see. Um, yeah, no stage points on Saturday night. Just kind of was running in that, like – 15th to 20th range, which, again, is surprising given how good he is at Bristol. Um, and, yeah, that's what ended up costing him, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Tyler Reddick's also the fourth driver that ends up getting eliminated. And he ran okay. He ended up finishing, was it 12th or 13th? Ends up finishing 12th, which isn't bad, but just kind of like the type of track Bristol is and the type of driver that he is, I really expected him to be in contention and running up in the top 10, the top five. And he got two points in the second stage. That wasn't going to cut it. Like I really expect him to be a solid contender for a top five and kind of similar to Kurt Busch. It just seemed like they really missed it on Saturday night. Yeah. They just couldn't get going in the right direction. So those four guys are out. Um, We had some, really interesting moments in those final couple laps of the race because both uh, Kyle Busch and uh, Christopher Bell, who were sitting fairly comfortably, had tire issues very late in the race, and they got down into the single digits as those laps were clicking off, um, came very close to maybe getting eliminated themselves. And uh, fortunately for them, they didn't. But just the peak of drama in those last 30 to 40 laps, we had the battle for the lead. Then you had what was going on with Chase and uh, – Kevin Harvick, not to mention these cut line battles, like, and again, you were there watching in person. You needed to be watching it on TV to be able to keep up with everything because there was so much going on. Yeah, there was there there was no way to keep up with it. No way to keep up with it there in person. Um, but honestly, that's what I mean. It's just it just made it fun. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing too is just like. I don't know if controlled chaos is the way to put it. But when you have so many things going on, it makes it more in, it makes it it makes it more entertaining, duh, because there's so much to pay attention to. Now the casual fans probably not able to keep up with it and understand what's going on. But for us that know what the situations are, like this is what you hope for in these cutoff races. Right. So, you know, the Bristol is the cutoff race, always a winner. Mm-hmm. Now begs the question, when we go back there in the spring, is there any chance we are not running on the dirt. I mean, I say no. They're they're already hell bent on doing it. I, I don't know how you do it after this, though. I mean, I, I just I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't like putting dirt on it in the first place. Sure. I don't like putting dirt on it. Um, but it's one of those. It's like, how do you watch 
this past weekend of racing and go, yeah, let's throw dirt on it. Yeah. Let's throw dirt on it. No, I, I don't even know why you would consider it. And, and the dirt race wasn't awful back in the spring. It was fine for what it was. Um, but if you ask me, like, okay, which one of these would you rather see in spring of 2022? I'm taking the concrete every single time because even – and so the, the Saturday Night's Race wins the Jeff Gluck poll all time with 96%. The top three races in that poll are all Bristol concrete races. So it, it's right here in front of you. Like, why are we putting dirt on this? And I'm somebody that wasn't opposed to the dirt race to begin with, but it's like when you give me a great example like Saturday night, it's like, okay, we, this is not the right choice to be going back here at dirt in the spring. No. Well, I had even mentioned it to my dad on the way back from the race. Like, it, it, like there's just some, it, I've been to the Bristol spring race. I've been to the night race and there's nothing like the night race. I, I mean, it's just the cars look great. It's just whatever. But like, I wouldn't mind seeing them put the spring race at night. Like, obviously they're going to do it next year. But, like, yeah. if you ran it on a Saturday night in, in April or May or something like that. I think if you want to make the spring race different, maybe, like, 400 laps where the sense of urgency is ratcheted up a little bit more. And that way it kind of reserves the night race being longer, being in the playoffs to keep it, you know, a little bit more special. But, yeah, run it at night, chop 100 laps off of it, and I think we see a great show. Yeah, I agree. So, um, but like you said, and we were talking about this before recording, I'm sure the logistics of the spring dirt race are already set in motion. There's contracts and there's plans and all this stuff that probably aren't going to be uprooted between now and then. So we're going to have to deal with it for 2022. But if I'm NASCAR, whether it is getting rid of the dirt race completely, adding a third event at Bristol to give you the dirt race while also still having two concrete races, in 2023, we can't run Bristol Concrete one time. That would not make any sense in the world. We have to figure no. something out. No, you can't. So, but I don't know. I, I it, it it saddens me that we have to wait another year for Concrete Bristol. I know. So I know. Is what it is. But there was more to talk about from the weekend because Friday night might have been, and you were fortunate to be in attendance for this. One of the most chaotic and best finishes I have ever seen to a NASCAR race. Very rarely does the winner get out, acknowledge the crowd, and then hop in an ambulance to go to the infield care center. Yeah. Yeah, I had never seen that one before. Um, you know, and then obviously A.J. Allmendinger went on to win. Um, over Austin Cendrick as they both slid to the line. And, um, and then carnage happened after that. And I hate seeing cars get torn up after a race, sure. whatever. Um, but it was funny because, like, it was one of those, like, his car was just sitting on the track, and you're like, well, he needs to celebrate. I mean, not right. only did he win the race, kind of won the regular season championship too. <laughs> so it was just funny because it was like, is, are they going to, like, tow his car over there? And obviously they didn't. But, um, yeah, that was – I, th I mean, look, the Sunday or Saturday night race was great. Yep. I thought the thing throughout the entire 300 laps, though, on on Friday night, was was better. It was it was just better. I, I don't know. I have, it's just it was crazy. I think that goes back to what I was saying about you know if you were in the Cup Series race in the spring to 400 laps, 300 laps at Bristol goes by really really fast. There's a sense of urgency in the truck and Xfinity races that you don't quite have in the Cup Series race because it's a longer event. 
300 laps goes by super fast. Those guys had to be up on the wheel the entire night, and they delivered and put on a great show. Oh, yeah. So, um, did, now, did you, were you aware that they were basically in a dead heat for the um, regular season championship when they were coming to the green-white checker there? Yes, because the, the PA announcer had said that, I think at that point in time, they were separated by one point. Because they, so uh, Allmendinger went into Saturday night's race with, I think, a five-point advantage. And mm-hmm. he and Hendrick finished within one point of each other in each of the stages, one finishing ahead of the other in each of the ones. So, yeah, coming down the end, they were separated by one point, basically winner take all at that point, And, oh, boy, did they make it exciting. Well, and, like, you know, Austin Sendrick got out of the car and, and he wasn't happy. He said that, you know, basically they wrecked us on purpose and whatever. But if he should be mad with anybody, it should be Justin Allgaier. I was going to say, when Allgaier, you know, as I like to say, licked the stamp and sent it, and he went completely yeah. the turn, ran him up the track, which opened the door for A.J. Allmendinger to get by. And I thought it was interesting that what A.J. said that, look, I knew he was going to door me going into three, and I gave him the room to do that because he was going to do it anyway. Um, I mean, these, these guys know what to expect in those last couple laps of, of a um, green and white checker to Bristol, and it delivered it. Heck, Riley Hurts nearly won this race. That's how crazy it was. Yeah. Well, and I just think what's cool is, like, and, and AJ acknowledged it, you know, after the race. He was like, you know, two years ago I was semi-retired. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, anything like that. And now I, I just won the regular season Xfinity Championship, and and I've got a very good chance to win the whole thing in, in seven weeks. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this because, of course, Colleague is going to be going cup racing full-time next year with, um, you know, Justin Haley. Personally, I really hope Almendinger stays down in the Xfinity Series. I know we've talked about this potentially could become a full-time cup guy in a couple years again. But I think what made the – what was then the Bush Series so great back in the day was you had these, like, established veterans mm-hmm. that were, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s that were – Xfinity regulars and you have that now with Justin Allgaier you have that with guys like AJ Allmendinger and when you mix that with this young upcoming talent it puts on really good racing um I still think that the 2019 Xfinity series season was the best overall in my opinion 2021's doing a pretty good job of rivaling it particularly with this battle we have between AJ Allmendinger and um Austin Centric at the top of the point standings um so, yeah, I, just, I love that mix, and I really hope that Almendinger's around for many more years running full-time. Heck, he may get his first championship this year. Yeah. Yeah, he very well could. Um, and that was, uh, talking about in the regular season, that set their playoff field. Now, they didn't have the drama on the cut line because that was pretty cut and dry. In fact, Annette didn't, didn't even end up running the race to have a chance as uh, Josh Berry filled in for him, waiting for the uh, points to update here. Um, but their playoffs are set, and you look at the top of the board, tied with 44 playoff points apiece, is Cindric and Allmendinger. And then everybody from there on down, you know, from Allgaier in third all the way down to Clements in 12th, with zero point, with zero playoff points. I mean, they're all separated by 20 points. So yeah. this first round is going to be really, really interesting for the other 11 or the other 10 guys um, in terms of who gets out of this first round and who doesn't. Yeah, one slip up and you could be ousted in the first round. Yep. And, you know, it's the exact same tracks the Cup Series is going to be at. Las Vegas, which is, you know, a little more straightforward based on equipment and stuff like that. Wildcard at Talladega, 
wild card the Charlotte Roval. So I think, you know, we very well could see some big names missing out on that round of eight in the Xfinity Series. Mm-hmm. Knocking things over. Speaking of advancing, we also had another race on Thursday night, which feels like a lifetime ago at this point, with the Truck Series racing. And credit to you, you correctly guessed Chandler Smith winning his first career race in very dramatic fashion and punching his ticket into the next round of the playoffs while we saw our first round of eliminations. And again, another just wild and chaotic race at Bristol. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is you know, Smith basically had to go out there and win. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was able to get it done. And, and look, he'd ran well at Bristol in the few times he'd ran there. And so it was no shock that, you know, he, went, he was running well, well up in the field. But the mm-hmm. fact that he was able, you know, to get around his teammate and, and seal the victory was, was pretty impressive. And um, the two drivers eliminated Todd Gilland and Austin Hill. Gillen had the one win earlier this year at Code, and he's run pretty well. I really thought Hill was going to be one of these guys to make a serious threat to be in the round of four with just how consistently he runs. Runs into trouble in this first round, ends up crashing out at Bristol on Thursday night, and now his playoff dreams are done. Yeah, just, just as quickly as they began. So, overall, now, out of the three races, I think the, the Truck Series race was more of a – chaotic mess than anything else mm-hmm. um you know just the, the cautions were just rampant to the point where i was like okay can we get a long green flag run please and we didn't really have too many of those um mm-hmm. but i don't know i thought it was a really good ending there i mean gosh Ch- sheldon creed really should have won this race he should have swept the first round dang near led every single lap that team is on absolute fire and when you look at the first round for john hunter Nemechek, it's kind of like you could have done a lot more. You really – I yeah. wasn't totally impressed with how Hunter Nemechek ran this first round, and maybe it was because they had such a big advantage. Maybe they were trying something, experimenting a little bit. But I'm telling you, he's going to have to buckle down in the second round. He's not – you know, he's got this – he's got a lot of playoff points, so he's not in danger. But a slip-up at Vegas and a bad week at Talladega, um, he could go into that elimination race at, at Martinsville and in a bad situation. Yeah, quickly. Yep. So. Wild weekend, wild weekend racing. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as news, and we talked about the schedule last week, so we don't have too much in particular news, but something you did want to bring up, um, you know, the, the new NASCAR television contracts, which I believe are set to be redone 2024, 2025, one of those. So, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Brian Herbst, who not related to Riley that we know of, um, it was a NASCAR vice president, did mention that streaming is going to become a lot more featured in the next television package whatever that looks like it makes sense i just hope they don't jump into it head first if that makes sense yeah i mean i i get it to an extent um but the part that frustrates me too is like uh this past weekend indycar released their 2022 tv schedule all but three races are on big nbc mm-hmm. so i don't want to hear it can't be done sure. i don't want it can't be done like um you know, I don't care if you throw it on the USA Network. Um, I don't even have a huge issue with NBCSN. We know that's going away. But yeah. uh, just flat out putting it on a streaming device, you know, for I, – I just I, – I don't like that. And, you know, it's obviously good to embrace your younger audience. But there are so many NASCAR fans that are older that don't do streaming, that don't 
understand streaming and you know a lot of them have been alienated with the move to more cable races because when you look at look at the numbers when you run a race on NBC versus NBCSN NBC race is higher because it's a standard channel than more people get and there's a lot of people you know that don't have the income to you know, support having cable and paying that extra money every single month so they only get to see the races on the quote-unquote free tv if you put stream if you put more races on streaming that's going to further alienate those people so hopefully it's an integration process and look tv as a whole is probably going to go to streaming down the road at some point but i don't think nascar should jump headfirst into it before they have to if that makes sense no don't lead the charge on it no and and, and with the sports network going away i understand why they ran so many races on the sports network because you're trying to build it up make it you know this important thing and look they pulled in millions of viewers with every single cup race that they do now that's going away you're not trying to build up the usa network it's an established network that's in more homes than nbcsn and there's probably going to be a few races here and there but you have the opportunity to put more races on big boy nbc and particularly when you're talking about races in the playoffs going up against nfl football games you want to have the opportunity for as many people to see these races as possible. I feel like every single playoff race should be on NBC. I agree. So hopefully that comes with, uh, you know, the TV stuff for next year. In addition to some earlier start times, look at how highly doubt's going to happen, though. Yeah, just some adjustments. Okay, well, now uh, after leaving Bristol, we head to a little more of a tamer racetrack in Las Vegas, a mile and a half. That being said, Las Vegas has been one of the better mile and a halves since we've been doing this 550 racing. So I'm, my, my optimism is relatively high. We've seen some good races here in the past couple of years. Um, and now we have a brand new round of the playoffs and brand new drivers getting set to face some elimination in three races. So we go into a triple header weekend again, uh, trucks, Xfinity, and then the cup series. Let's start off with the trucks. Who wins the first round of first race of the truck series round of eight i said it last week and i'll say it again sometimes you know you've got to just hunker down and and throw that punch back and i think john hunter does it this week i think they kind of established themselves as yeah we're back we're still the you know the class of the field you know, the two teams had a little bit of fun the past few weeks but we're gonna we're gonna clamp things down and, and get back on our winning ways john or Nemechek with an enormous amount of playoff points at 50 he's again if he has a bad race and you know get rex out of talladega he's in trouble if he minds the p's and q's and comes away with solid runs he's going to be fine of course if he wins it gets to the next round anyway um but it's hard to argue with the hot hand of sheldon creed again he should have won thursday night at bristol ends up getting uh into some issues there late in the race and ends up costing him um now i'm interested to see how he performs on more of an equipment horsepower track like Las Vegas, because when you look at Gateway, Darling Center, Bristol, they're shorter tracks, you know, more of the technical where, where the equipment doesn't matter as much. Not that GMS is bad equipment, but it's hard to beat KBM trucks at a mile and a half track. We've seen that yeah. all season long, but if anybody can do it, I feel like it's Sheldon Creed. So yeah. I'm down for Creed. I think it's going to come down to these two guys anyway. We're probably going to be picking them to win every single race from here on out. So I'll ride with Creed if you're going to ride with the Hunter Nemechek works for me go to the xfinity series opening up their playoffs on saturday night at las vegas and aj allmendinger actually won the race there back in the spring so does he make it back to back once again and get another win and want to open the playoffs 
No, it's the guy that finished runner-up in that race and has finished runner-up way too many times in his career. Daniel Hemrick, I hadn't picked him in seven races. Pick him. I'm going to pick him again. Um, this one, Daniel Hemrick, finally, finally you know, gets I, on the board. I joked the other week when I found this clip somebody had put together on Twitter of all the races Daniel Hemrick has lost, particularly this year. And I said I was going to start the new segment of how is Hemrick going to lose this race. And Friday night's race was the perfect storm of everything going crazy where, hey, Hemrick might actually win this. And what does he do? Was it a speeding penalty on pit road? Yeah. Speeding penalty on pit road. So it's like, there you go again. And look, I'm like the world's biggest Daniel Hemrick fan, but it's getting very frustrating at this point. So I hope you're right. But it's one of those like, I'll believe it when I finally see it. Yeah. I'm going to go to somebody that has been a little bit of a hot streak lately. And given that Las Vegas is a groovy mile and a half track, somebody can get up there and run against that wall. He's in the playoffs. We know how aggressive he can be. Let's go with the hometown boy, Noah Gregson. Yep. He was my number two. Now, Gregson is animated enough when he wins in general. Imagine him winning at his home racetrack. The town would burn down. The strip ain't ready for that. No. All right, now to Sunday night. Remember, this is a Sunday night race. starts at like 7 o'clock. Um, oh, right. Yeah, because so, it's uh, whether it be 4 or 5 o'clock their time, so later afternoon, kind yeah. of the night. Um, this is a race that Kurt Busch won last year, surprisingly. Um, Kyle Larson got the win there earlier this year. We saw a really, really good race there in the spring. Does Larson make it back-to-back, -back, or do we see a different winner start at the round of 12 in the Cup Series? He's definitely going to be in the picture. Um, it's actually his teammate, though, and maybe not one you're thinking of. William Byron's going to get the job done this weekend. Okay. I, mean, I love I, – I mean, I love what they – and I, I'm, I'm about momentum this time of year. Sure. I got to feel good about what they did, you know, at just advancing into the round. Mm -hmm. Oh, look where he won it earlier this year. Like you said, it's kind of that groovy mile-and-a-half type track. Why, why not them? Been on the fence about this one a little bit because, gosh, we haven't been to a traditional mile-and-a-half, I guess, since Atlanta all the way back in July. So we really yeah. honestly don't really know where these teams are at from a traditional mile-and-a-half standpoint. But I go back to that race and how well Kyle Busch ran. And with how well Joe Gibbs Racing has run in the second half of this season, I don't know. And I know he didn't have the best car when he won at Kansas, but it's still a very similar track and he was able to get the win. I'm going to have to rock with the second hometowner of the weekend and go with Kyle Busch on Sunday night. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. And, and for all of the, oh, is Kyle Busch back? Is he all this stuff? I mean, he's still a championship threat, very much so. You know, Gregson winning would be a wild night on the strip. KFB winning in the playoffs. Town really wouldn't be ready for that one. No, not on back-to-back -back nights. No. Uh, if you see Kyle Busch running down the strip in a Speedo at like midnight on Sunday, don't be alone. Just look, just look the other way. Okay, well, I'm really excited for this weekend. Just excited for the playoffs in general. It's been such a great opening round. Now we're going into the round of chaos and unpredictability with these three next three racetracks. This has been a fun season. Is it the best season ever? 
we'll see when we get to the end of it, but it's been a darn good one so far. Yeah, we still got a handful of races to go. Absolutely. I'm excited for it. So we'll be back beginning next week to break it all down and look ahead to Talladega. Mm-hmm. So for Dalton Mullinax, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening to the Upspeed Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.